Next on BYU Sports Nation, big week, big impact for BYU basketball. Which result would affect BYU's tournament resume more, a loss to Santa Clara or a win against Gonzaga? What football game just moved to a Friday? The latest on Taysom Hill and free agency and which team jumps five spots in the polls? Plus a proposed NCAA transfer rule that could change everything for BYU. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, February 19th, wherever and however you're connected, it is fantastic to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who will own center court at the Marriott Center this Friday, Jerem Jordan. Guess what, people? Friday, we're going to be live from the Marriott Center. And you're invited. You can come hang out. You can come hang out. We're going to have an audience. We're going to do the show from the middle of the court. We're going to have Mark Pope. We're going to get you ready for BYU and Gonzaga. When BYU gets ranked, we do special things. Last night, it was 23 pizzas for being ranked 23rd at the Pope Show. And Friday for this program, program, we're going to be on center court, not at Wimbledon, but at the Marriott Center, and it's going to be awesome. Fans are invited to hang out. We're going to have you down on the court with us, kind of a game day type atmosphere. It's game day eve on Friday. Let's go. We had to figure out a tie-in for 23 somehow for the Friday show. 2,300 cookies provided by Jerem Jordan. 2,300. <laughs> I don't know what kind of audience you think you're getting. But that would be fantastic. The wow. doors open at 9.30 a.m. Mountain okay. Time, folks. Is that open for us, to too, public. or can we go earlier? We, oh, for we, everyone else? We can go earlier. Oh, okay, yes. cool. I, I think so. We'll have to get clearance from the Marriott Center. I have a media personnel. pass. Hopefully they'll let me in. All right. Another great show lined up today. Carrie Miller of Bleacher Report, college basketball insider and reporter on why BYU basketball is a top-nine unstoppable offense. And frankly, I want to know why he doesn't have BYU higher. So I'm going to ask him about that. The latest tournament resume update for the Cougars and Taysom Hill's future plans with his mentor, Drew Brees, coming back to New Orleans for at least one more season. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's basketball in search of a seventh straight win and will host Santa Clara tomorrow night, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. BYU a perfect 8-0 in West Coast Conference play at home against Santa Clara. In fact, the Cougars haven't lost to the Broncos in Provo since Kreshmir Chosich's days, 1972. It's been a minute. Wow. BYU versus Houston and football has moved up a day to Friday, October 16th and will be on ESPN or ESPN2. Cougars last met in 2014 at NRG Stadium where the aforementioned Taysom Hill threw for 417 yards, ran for 128 yards in a 47-46 win. At the time, that was only the seventh time that had ever happened in NCAA history or something. It was crazy. Houston at BYU football moved and uh, excited for that matchup, uh, a battle of Cougars. Shannon Evans, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Gymnast of the Week, after a second-best all-around performance in her career with a 39.550 fun fact, this marks the sixth straight week BYU has taken that honor this season. Abby Miner did it four times. Now Shannon Evans has gone back-to-back, highlighted by a career-tying 995 on the uneven bars all last Saturday night. Where are the even bars? And the Cougar Indoor Women's Track and Field Team climbs five spots from 16th to 11th in the newest USTF CCCA poll. Mm-hmm. When you weren't broke the 3,000-meter school record over the weekend, BYU ranked number one in the women's 800, by the way. That's because three different Cougar runners uh, hit 
top 10 school marks last week. Wild. Uh, Lauren Ellsworth Barnes, Anna Camp Bennett, and Alina Ellsworth. Next meet, JDL Fast Track in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Saturday. Then the MPSF Championships, they go back to Seattle. They were there over the weekend. The track and field programs, cross-country program. teams. Race Davis. They're incredible. They're incredible right now at BYU. Yeah. Tuesday and programs. Tuesday programs and important. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Time for more hoops hypothetical fun, Jerem. Yeah. A six-game win streak on the line for BYU basketball. The Cougars staring at the first-ever top 25 showdown with Gonzaga since joining the West Coast Conference in front of a sellout crowd at the Marriott Center. And, of course, pending status for the NCAA tournament, I present the following question. Which would have more of an impact on BYU's NCAA tournament resume? A loss to Santa Clara? Ugh. Or a win over second-ranked Gonzaga? It is a win against Gonzaga. This would be the best win of the season for BYU. Gonzaga currently third in net. Remember, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee produces a ranking, their own, a poll, if you will, and Gonzaga is three in that. BYU can afford a quad three loss and still be in the bracket. You don't want to see it. BYU's been clean with the quad three and quad four so far. Those are the worst games on your schedule, right? Uh, and and uh, in fact... If BYU lost the quad three, it might ensure that they don't get an eight nine. Oh, I think it might. Would, I think it might take them in there. Out of that, I think it might take them exactly to that spot. Beating Gonzaga, you fly up to a five seed. Yes, and then you got a chance at a four. Right, uh, Gonzaga. That beating Gonzaga would be a story nationally. Um, they're not undefeated. It wouldn't lead Sports Center like when when Gonzaga was number one. Granted, that went into Sports Center that game. Um, as would this one, as would this one. Uh, Gonzaga, 26-1, second in the AP poll, top five in BPI, Ken Palm, Sagarin, strength of record in that. By the way, KPI got, has Gonzaga 16th. KPI is completely uncredible to me. They have what Gonzaga KPI? 16. Who or what is a KPI? I mean, the RPI went RIP, so can we yeah, take the KPI goodness. to the same place? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's beating Gonzaga. I think that does way more good for you than a Santa Clara, Clara loss would do bad. I agree with you. Beating Gonzaga would put BYU in rarefied air. We're talking about the Cougars climbing from a six to a five, maybe maybe a four. Maybe seed. even a four. Maybe a four seed. Whoa! You want to talk about getting to the Sweet Sixteen? That's how you do it. It's not some magical thing. Oh, we upset him. How did 2011 get to the Sweet 16? Three seed. They, they beat a 14 and 11. They were supposed to. They earned that in the regular season. Whoa. Can, I, can, I can't even imagine BYU as a four seed. I thought for sure the ceiling was like probably a five. But if BYU beats Gonzaga, they're already at a six. BYU beats Gonzaga and then beats St. Mary's, Mary's at a neutral site, has another quad one win in Vegas. Maybe. That's maybe, maybe. wild, right? Yeah. Just to be in that four or five conversation. So, yes, there is more of an impact with a Gonzaga win. But as I mentioned a moment ago, if BYU loses to Santa Clara, I feel like for the moment that would drop them into that horrible 8-9 situation. And then they'll get dropped another line with Sunday. Please go to a 10 seed. Good. Okay, maybe it's, it's okay. I, part of me wonders if BYU should just uh, tank to avoid an 8-9. Like, yes, you want to win. I'm kidding. But BYU, BYU wants to win to get their best seed, right? But if BYU lands in an 8-9, I'm going to go, oh, should have mailed it in here. Should have mailed it in here just to get to 10 or 11. 8-9 would be the worst. I will be so upset. 
if BYU gets an 8 or 9 on Selection Sunday. Here's the other thing about potentially losing to Santa Clara. BYU needs to finish second in conference, Jerem. Yes, they do. And if they lose to Santa Clara, well, that yes all of a no. sudden is in danger. Well, I don't know they have to. Just beat St. Mary's in the semi. you got to win your quarter, win the St. Mary's, and then you're going to, yeah. But wait, what, wait, would a quad, another quad two uh, game be good? Maybe beating San Francisco or something? I don't know. It depends on who they play in that quarterfinal. But BYU needs to avoid the quarterfinal altogether. Because what if they lose that game? Then everything looks really weird going into Selection Sunday. Just don't even play that game. Well, don't lose it. Too. Yeah. Don't even yeah. play that game. Don't Just lose be to in Santa the Clara. semifinal. Don't, yeah. And don't lose a quarterfinal. Yes, please no. Don't get down to San Diego. Topic two. BYU and Houston and football move up a day to October 16th, as mentioned. This makes three non-Saturday games, uh, also non-Sunday, just FYI, mm-hmm. uh, with Utah on a Thursday, September 3rd, Utah State on Friday, October 2nd. How many non-Saturday games are you cool with? I like three. I think BYU is right like at three. the number. Okay. Yeah, a quarter of the season, but it kind of depends on the layout of the schedule, and I like the 2020 setup. The Thursday game is the first game. It's yes. always hard to go from a Saturday game to a Thursday game, and BYU's done that on the road a couple of like times. at UCF. It was After awful. Taysom Hill hurt. Yes, that was terrible. 2014, Taysom Hill breaks his leg against yes. Utah State. Then BYU with Christian Stewart have to go to Orlando. Literally practice two days, then fly away. Fly out Wednesday morning, yeah. go to Orlando, and then lose a heartbreaker in overtime or at the end of regulation. Or overtime. overtime. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. On a no you pass were, interference call by there. Jordan yeah, Leslie. Yeah, awful. Yeah. That was a terrible scenario. Terrible? Jordan, Jordan Johnson broke his leg in that game. A bunch of guys were banged up. They were down. So it, it depends on the layout of the schedule. I like the Thursday game against Utah because it's the opener. The Friday night game against Utah State has uh, – uh, kind of a, tra- a traditional feel, general conference weekend. So I like that game. From within the shadows of the Everlasting Hills, yes. And then uh, Houston to own the night. Uh, the thing about Friday night games is yes. you, you own the night. Yes. Right? Nostris Nocturnus, that's yeah. Latin for own the night. You own the night. If you've been with us since 2014, 2013, mm-hmm. you know that's the thing we've been talking about. I want more non-Saturday games. Let me tell you why. What's the point of independence? Tell me. Tell me. To be seen. It's to be on ESPN. Exposure. It's to be not be in the Mountain West. What? BYU wants exposure. They want to be on ESPN. You know what's not good exposure? Like ESPNU at 826 Mountain Time on a Saturday night. That's not good exposure. You know what's great exposure? USC and Washington at 130. ABC. Skycam. I'm obsessed with Skycam. Wisconsin on the road. 130 ABC. I want more. And that was Saturday. That was great. I want a. I would be fine with a, like another one or two. I honestly would because if you play on Thursday or Friday, how many other games are there? There's hardly any. Own the night. Be on ESPN in most cases. I think this is how Boise State built their brand. One is winning, but two, they were seen. They were on ESPN, and it was on Fridays. I'm not saying play every game Friday. I'm just saying I would be okay with a little more. I, I think these games put BYU in a spot that it wants to be in, which is seen. And a lot of these games are big. The bigger games, they should be on a Saturday. I know for the fans and getting to the stadium and there's travel and all the RVs and people from out of state. But where do I work? I work at a TV station. I'm more concerned <laughs> about TV than I am, like, the people in the stadium per se. I, I think all of it matters. But if you're asking me what do I want more, I, I would be okay with, like, four or five. I really would. 
BYU and Utah to open up on a Thursday night. And everybody that cheers for the Y, hoping that the Cougars can finally figure out a way to own the night. Hit it. Countdown to the Utes. 197. It's one of those weird ones with too many syllables. 197 days away. Now, I like this. We don't do it every day. So when we do it, it's dessert. You know? I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have it every meal. An occasional I don't have it every day. dip in the countdown. Yeah, pool. a little, little, mm-hmm. little, little cookie. Okay. Little yeah, doing it, doing it every day. Then you're. It's just too much, Shep. It's just too much. <laughs> I came up with this idea five years ago, but we've evolved. <laughs> that was the same idea. That, you know, this is great. One ninety-seven. A tweet from at inside the NCAA leads off topic three. Great. What do they want? Uh, they're an official blue checkmark Twitter account. They're talking about Yoli again because that was fun. So they're with the powers of the NCAA, but they sent out the following headline yesterday: "Quote, Division One student athletes in all sports could have the opportunity to compete immediately after transferring one time if a proposed change to waiver guidelines is adopted by the Division One Council this spring." End quote. Okay. So to summarize. There would be no requirement to have to sit out a year or redshirt. You can transfer one time in your athletic career and play immediately whatever the sport is. Thanks, Lauren Hill. How would this proposed NCAA transfer rule affect BYU specifically? I don't know that it affects BYU any differently than it would affect anyone else. I think it's great. You would have the Alex Barcelos be eligible immediately, right? And what an impact he's had. Uh, This isn't grad transfers per se, although if you hadn't transferred, you could just bang, go elsewhere. In the uh, article that they tweeted out, there's an acknowledgement that coaches could be poaching during the season. They understand that that could be a thing. Also, there's certain uh, restrictions that already exist, by the way. Receive a transfer release from the previous school. Eat your heart out, Norm Chow, with Michael Wadsworth, right? Leave their previous school academically eligible. Maintain their academic progress in the new school. Leave under no disciplinary suspension. Uh, this so sounds like a fantastic idea, Jerry. So there's still things. I do love this idea. Why not? Now, it would get weird. All of a sudden, you thought there was this one guy, and he's at BYU or a girl, and now they're on another team. Like, that would happen, too. But I... I'm for this. I think this would be good. Why do they have to sit out again? Why? Why not? They just one transfer, boom. And you could still apply for a second transfer that's not a grad. You just go through that process like Alex Barcelo did. There do are you people get it or not. And and I saw this on social media yesterday. There are people that are saying this would ruin the sanctity of college the sports. Sanctity. SEC football is like a conference in the NFL already. Can we what? can we get over ever using the word sanctity and NCAA athletics again? Also, I'm not a fan of the student athlete. I think they're athletic students. Like it depends on the sport. You know that baseball was in town for one day this week. They're not in class. They're like doing their best on the road. They're trying to make the best out of the situation. Hanging on with not, homework. Let's not act like it's something it's not. Right? They're here. They're here to go to school. Yes, but they're they're getting paid in a scholarship to compete in sports. That's their primary. Function. Here's my thing. Any student at any university can transfer to another school and be immediately eligible to take classes and receive credits (laughs) academically. So why would the NCAA not grant an athlete a one-time exception? I understand why they want to make it a one-time thing. They don't want people to bounce around as much as they want with no repercussions. Because I think that would ruin the sanctity of the sport. It's not about sanctity. It's just chaos. 
It would be, yeah, just be crazy. Yeah. One-time exception, though, totally okay with that. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. And also the graduate transfer rule. All those in favor, please make it manifest, okay. right? Yes, transfer. One. This go. whole graduate transfer thing, let a student transfer and take normal classes if they don't want to apply and go four years for a full graduate program. Because let's be honest, how many of these graduate transfers are like, yeah, I'm going to go to four more years of school or three more years of school well, or even an accelerated two-year program? Right. Yeah, it'd be two for most graduate degrees. Yeah, that's a whole another topic, by the way. Yeah. And BYU is doing its best to try and accommodate that so that you can get a good player. Yeah. We obviously come at it from the sports perspective, but <laughs> academics is like, why would we get this dude that's here for one semester? If that's the case. Exactly. So don't even make that a situation. Just let him come and take normal classes and whatever. Just do comps. It's like super. Just be, <laughs> just be in class. Broadcast journalism. Yeah, super hard. Our question of no the science, day. No science, no math. <laughs> Back to BYU basketball. Which will have more of an impact on BYU's NCAA resume? A loss to Santa Clara or a win over Gonzaga? And why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at D10E15 on Instagram. I'm going with the unpopular opinion. Gonzaga! I would think unpopular would be Santa Clara loss. If BYU beats the Zags, this isn't only a quad one win. This could boost BYU up to as much as a four seed and a top 15 ranking. I, I go top 18, but yeah. This could guarantee the Cougars don't get in that 8 9 matchup in the first round. If BYU doesn't lose. To anybody besides Gonzaga, they will avoid the 8-9 matchup. Or St. Mary's, if BYU beat Gonzaga but then lost St. Mary's. I still think they'd be a 7 seed. Gotcha. I, I still think BYU would be a 7 seed because they... So they beaten, could lose to St. Mary's. They, they could lose St. Mary's in the semifinal, and yes. I think still be a 7 seed in the tournament. Just take care of business. Yes, please. And if it's beating everybody but Gonzaga, that's fine too. In fact, that's what I expect. If BYU pulls off an upset, that'll be awesome. Coming up... Which win became a quad two from quad three last night on the Cougars Rizman? And why is BYU basketball one of the top nine unstoppable offenses in college basketball? Kerry Miller of Bleacher Report joins us. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Following BYU Sports Nation today, watch BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as the coach, Gregor Bell, and Dalton Nixon recap the two-week win, preview the games with Santa Clara and Gonzaga, plus a deep one, Trevin Nell, about a childhood accident that almost cost him his basketball career. Watch it on BYU TV at the top of the hour. We're on demand on the BYU TV app. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. That was a Mark Pope card that you saw. If you're listening, you didn't see it, but... Uh, that Julian Riley, our floor director and uh, oftentimes director or technical director on this program, uh, found at his house and got signed from Mark last night. And look, Danny Ainge with the Blazers. That's awesome. Upper deck, no less, with uh, Danny Ainge. <laughs> Tops 89. I got a bunch of those in my garage, man. So Danny Ainge, he's wearing a Portland uniform, but it says signed by the Suns on it. So is that like a trade edition card? <laughs> well, they didn't have a picture probably going into the season. <laughs> Uh, when I was things are a little bit different now. Yeah, when I was eight, I went to a Clippers game in L.A. where the Blazers came and played, and Danny Ainge talked to on Mormon night. Talked oh, to everyone. Yeah. I got too scared to ask a question though. I got all nervous, and I didn't ask a question. Well, you can ask him later when you see him next. Yeah, we'll we'll chat. Let's ask a few questions to Bleacher Report National College basketball writer Kerry Miller, who joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Kerry, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. 
Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. You have BYU as the ninth most unstoppable offense in all of college hoops. What do you like most about this version of the Cougar offense under Mark Pope? Oh, they're just the, one of the best shooting teams in the country. I think Dayton might be ahead of them in effective field goal percentages because the Flyers are hitting a historic rate of their two-pointers. But, man, BYU, when they get a shot off, it goes in far more often than not. Um you know, they, they struggled recently in the game against San Diego, but um, you know, still even in that game, shot 50% inside the arc or about 38% beyond it. Uh, and when they're doing that, when they're struggling, uh, that tells you how good they are when they aren't. Gary, what's a two-pointer? I didn't understand. What... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the game has, has uh, evolved so much, right, the last couple of years. And now BYU's not just chucking from deep. They're pretty efficient with it. Uh, how has that weighed into uh, your rankings in terms of BYU being the number one three-point shooting offense? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a, a huge part of it. When you have basically everybody on the roster can hit threes, you know, that's kind of the – the Villanova uh, model that they've won two national championships with. Um, you know, the last one they had, um, Omari Spellman was, you know, six foot nine center. He's still shooting like 40% from three point range. I mean, that's just the way the game has gone. Um, so if you're able to hit threes, especially this season with the national three point percentage lower than it's, I think, ever been since they extended the three point line now, uh, you know, when you're shooting around 42%, that's a, a heck of an edge for you. It is pretty wild that the three-point line moved back and BYU's numbers have jumped up so dramatically to 42.3%. And I have a theory on this, Kerry. So uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the United States, they have gyms in the churches, right? Shouldn't the Mormons be the best shooting teams in the country? We have gyms in the churches. Uh, you got gyms at the YMCA's, too, and I don't think that has anything to do with specific <laughs> <laughs> The craziest part of it to me is Barcelo shot below 30% his two seasons with Arizona. Now he's shooting above 50% for BYU, and they moved the line back. It makes no sense whatsoever, but that's just such a, a huge boom for them, uh, for him to be that good. I mean, Toulson shooting around 45%. I think he did last year as well, but even even Yoli has extended his game shooting like 40% from beyond the arc, so it's just so, so tough to stop a team that can go five out on you, uh, especially when you know, childs can just destroy you in the paint if he decides not to be on the perimeter. Kerry Miller of Bleacher Report, college basketball insider with us on BYU Sports Nation, has BYU as the ninth most unstoppable offense in all of college basketball. Kerry, why aren't the Cougars higher on your list? Uh, so they have one of the weirdest profiles uh, for an offense that I've ever seen where they're, they, I think they're fifth in turnover percentage, something like second in effective field goal percentage. But they're bottom five in the nation, both in offensive rebounding and in free throw rate. So even if they're making shots like you saw against San Diego, they can still get held to 72 points just because they don't create second chance opportunities. They don't they don't manufacture points at the free throw line. It's just, you know, they got to make those shots. Uh, you know, they're kind of one and done on pretty much every possession. So that that, that hurts them a little bit. Uh, but still, even even without – being able to manufacture points, they're scoring like crazy.
Carrie, there's way too much logic in that. I just want you to tell me that BYU is number one. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think I had Gonzaga at number one in that thing. Hey, hey, we're used to that here, man. We're used to that. We're like, okay, who's taking second in the league this year? Let's talk about that. In your article, you acknowledged, hey, when BYU's played uh, some real quality teams, and BYU's played likely three of the four one seeds at this point, mm-hmm. plus Houston and, and some other teams, BYU has struggled. Um, and you acknowledge, you know, Yoli Childs hasn't been in all of those games. Had the nine-game right. suspension, missed four with the finger. We're interested to watch Saturday's game against Gonzaga because BYU's going to have Yoli Childs against one of those top uh, seeds in the country. Um, I guess your thoughts on BYU and Gonzaga matching up Saturday night. Yeah, I'm, I'm super intrigued by that game. I mean, everybody's all jazzed up about the Kansas-Baylor matchup earlier in the day, but I think Gonzaga-BYU might honestly be the, the highlight because no matter what, Kansas-Baylor, they're probably going to be one seed the next day anyway. But, you know, this could possibly knock Gonzaga off the one line. It could bump BYU up to like a five, or it might cement Gonzaga as a, a potential number one overall seed. I think that one has more more implications, and I'm definitely interested to see, you know, how good BYU does look at full strength. Um, you know, I saw was able to watch most of the St. Mary's game a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think they had like 87 points in a 70 possession game, just really proven how unstoppable they can be at full strength. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report with us on BYU Sports Nation. What seed would you give BYU right now on the bracket seed line? So I think I have BYU as a seven right now. I know they're right around uh, 20th, both in net and Ken Palm. I'm a little bit, lower than that i mean that would put them as a a bottom number five seed or a top number six seed but i think just the lack of uh you know really statement wins aside from the road win over houston i don't think they have a a really solid win all season i know they have a neutral site win over utah state but that's a team right on the bubble so that doesn't do a whole lot for you but um i I think they're in great shape and if they do beat gonzaga on saturday I'd, i'd probably vault them up to a five in terms of what an offense can do in carrying you in the postseason, um, it felt like in the past it's like, hey, defense is going to keep you in the game, off- offense is going to win you the game. How do you feel like BYU would fare if they were a seven in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's, it's tough to say because you know, last year it was Virginia against Texas Tech for the national championship, two of the best defensive teams in the country. And I think more teams have – been more focused on defense in part because of that, in part because of the extended three-point line and the importance of boxing out and whatnot. So I think this year defense is going to be more important um, than it has been in the past. But there's always that one team. You know, last year it was Auburn, or I guess there were two, Auburn and Purdue, that they could just score 90 points against any defense. They just catch fire from three-point range and you can't stop them. I think BYU could be that team, um, you know, considering they're leading the nation in three-point percentage. Kerry, if you had to make your pick now, uh, how far would you see this BYU team moving in the NCAA tournament? Oh, that's tough to say, not knowing the, the bracket. But I, I think Sweet 16 is more than reasonable uh, for BYU. Um, it, it, eventually, they're going to run into a really good three-point defense and, you know, a team that can run them off the perimeter and, that's going to be trouble. Um, you know, if they're the seven seed matched up with Duke as a two seed, like that's Jordan Goldwire and Trey Jones are going to give them a world of trouble trying to get off threes and that'll lower their ceiling. But I, I think with the, the right draw, they could definitely get the sweet 16 and God, who knows at that point, you know, once the bracket breaks a little bit, anything's possible. You say sweet 16 and, uh, 
our response is to put on the blue goggles, man. We, so, hey, I love it. Everything looks better through some BYU blue goggles. Carrie, you're my favorite guest we've had on today. It's fantastic. Carrie, <laughs> great to talk to you, man. We appreciate the insight and uh, look forward to a fantastic February and March of basketball. All right, you got it. Take care, guys. Carrie Miller on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. My guy, Carrie, mentioning two pointers and boxing out. What is this pickup ball this morning? I, I love it. That's, that's where I live, man. The fundamentals. Yeah, I said I was going to ask him, why isn't BYU higher? And Wait. his reasoning is very valid. Not, not enough offensive rebounding and second chance points. Yes, and uh, I'm going to keep these on the rest of the segment. <clears throat> okay. And it's important for BYU to shoot the ball effectively, but he's right. There's some better offenses, right? And BYU's had a few games where they struggled against better teams, but they didn't have Yoli Childs. So that's why Saturday is like the most intriguing game of the entire season. It's Yoli and the Cougs versus Gonzaga. Dalton Nixon is out, and that's a bummer. If BYU had, and they were full bore, and they're not, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. But it just is what it is. You, get, you, gotta, you just got to go into that game, do your best, see what happens. The environment's going to give BYU a couple points. Will that swing it in favor of the Cougars or not? Is Gonzaga too mentally tough to be affected by that type of environment? I don't think that there's anything that these guys haven't seen. Gonzaga. They go. They they play the toughest turn. You can't take me seriously with this. Just <laughs> keep going. I'm doing my best. I love the 2020 BYU football schedule. <laughs> I think it's great. I want six power fives, eight and five. Yeah, I, I think I just think Gonzaga's weathered, weathered. Yeah, can they be thrown off their usual swag? Hopefully, you just you just catch them on that night. We haven't seen BYU beat Gonzaga in promo in a few years. It'd, it'd be awesome, man. I mean, the way they people played, will storm the court if that happens. The way they played at St. Mary's, they clearly were not impacted by playing on the road, but they didn't do that in front of nineteen thousand. Right, they did it in front of the three hundred eighty-four or whatever. So if BYU gym size doesn't matter. A bunch Stop. of threes, and that crowd is going absolutely bonkers. Yeah, how does Gonzaga handle that mentally? Because I'm with you. I lean towards thinking that they're just too mentally tough. Yeah. to be impacted by that. But. The nation's top three-point shooting team at home. Let's go. Coming up, what's going to happen with Taysom Hill now that Drew Brees is going back to the Saints? And isn't it fantastic when BYU just absolutely dominates a conference? Details coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. What? Yo, Friday, we're going to be in the Marriott Center live with you, The Rock. BYU fans, we're looking live in the Marriott Center right now. A little dark. They're obviously getting ready for the game Thursday. It's not a Tuesday, so there's no Devo, right, or a forum. Head coach Mark Pope will join us. Number two Gonzaga, number 23 BYU Saturday. Live from the Marriott Center, BYU Center on Friday. We'd love for you to hang out with us, either in person or watch or listen. He is Jerem Jordan, no longer wearing the blue goggles. I am Spencer Linton. But it was nice to look through those for a while, wasn't it? I can't see anything through those, I'll be honest. <laughs> I can feel it. I can envision it. But I can't physically see it. Because these they're get, these are getting old. Do we need new ones? I do think we, we need do. new ones? I think we need to order some oversized blue goggles. Yeah. Let's go to Amazon after the show, figure it out. Let's borrow some of that Dwight budget, right? <laughs> we can expense it, I'm sure. It's not that expensive. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, and whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Bracket Matrix keeps BYU as a number seven seed. Cougars are in a bracket as high as fifth, as low as 11. Football. The Houston at BYU football game in 2020 moved to a Friday night. Nostris Nocturnus. 
own October 16th. It'll be televised on ESPN or ESPN2. BYU won the last matchup in Provo 33-25 in 2014. The year before that, at Reliance Stadium in Houston, a Taysom Hill unforgettable game. Threw for 417 yards, ran for 128 to help BYU win a thriller 47-46. How fun I, I said was 20, Taysom Hill? It was very fun. I said 2014 in the A block, the first second. It was 2013. Yes. That game, sorry. Yeah. The home game was in 2014. 14, four, 2014 was on 9-11. That was a memorable Another game. memorable game yeah, against yeah. Houston. Yeah. Let's thir- hope this one is memorable. On that Thursday, by the way. Oh, yes. Early start. Yeah. Kickoff time will be announced later for the 2020 contest. Gymnastics. Shannon Evans is the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Gymnast of the Week, as well as on the Co-Vault and Co-Bars. She is the Co-Gymnast of the Week. That's <laughs> co-awesome. After a 9.85 on the vault and 9.95. How about that? Tying a career high. On the bars with a season high 39.550. All these numbers mean she's really good. Track and field. The Cougar Indoor Women's Track and Field Team climbs five spots up to number 11 in the latest USTF CCCA poll. Whitney Orton, awesome, broke the 3,000-meter school record over the weekend. She is ranked number one in the Women's 800 thanks to Three Cougars running top 10 school marks at the same meet with Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes, Anna Camp-Bennett, and Elena Ellsworth. The next meet is the JDL Fast Track in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Saturday. Then the MPSF Championships in Seattle next week. Swimming and diving. The Cougars begin competition in the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation Championships today through Saturday. Good luck. Golf. Women's golf finishes fourth at the Rebel Beach Intercollegiate in Las Vegas. Anik Hakskowicz finished 10th. The Cougars shot a combined 21 over and compete next week in the Gold Rush in Seal Beach, California. All right. That sounds great. It sounds great to be in California or Arizona or anywhere warm right now. We'll be in Vegas in a couple weeks. I know. Speaking of, so we're doing the show Friday in the the Marriott Center. Is it Marriott or Marriott? Can we explore this at some point? Marriott. That's what I think, too, but... Everyone calls it a Marriott hotel. Anyway, no, we'll explore it's that. Marriott, Gonzaga. Nope, Gonzaga, Boise. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> I've known oh, Las Vegas. We're gonna go to Vegas for the. We're taking the show to Vegas. Yeah, are we back from break? Yes, we, we are. are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we're 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 getting out of the studio. It's that time of year, man. Now the question remains. What situation will BYU basketball be in when they get to Las Vegas? Will it be what they're pacing yes. for right now, a second-place finish and a double buy into Monday's semifinals on the men's side? Triple to the semis, by the way. It's triple. <sighs> oh, triple buy. That's triple. right, because the 7-10 and the 8-9 the games so, count as yes, the first 7, round. 7-10, 5-6 come in, 3-4 come in, bang. Triple it's a tri- buy. Pass. I love it. Yeah. I don't love the triple buy no, pass no, scenario. No, 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 no. But I do love the triple buy scenario. What will BYU be dealing with? Hopefully it is playing in a semifinal on Monday and not before that. With that in mind, let's go to the latest BYU resume update. The Cougars in the net rankings, Jerem. Up two spots to number 21. It's all that work they did in practice yesterday. It's Marquette losing last night to Creighton and other there are other college that basketball factor games? into it. In the KPI, oh, we've uh, we've disbanded, we we've disowned the KPI, correct? Yeah. Okay. Forty. Yeah. No, okay. That, that's out. Do you even do you even know what's going on? Strength of record remains the same. Not not a shock because awesome. you know, I didn't play twenty nine BPI. 
ESPN's Basketball Power Index has BYU at 19. Ken 19. Palm also with BYU at 19. And the Sagarin ratings have the Cougars at 27. Okay. You want to make the NCAA tournament? Be top 30 in all of those yep. metrics. Yes, and then you are in, absolutely. BYU's in all 108 brackets with bracket matrix. Oh, Aver- there are 108 today and not 94 It fluctuates, like and I don't know why. What did bracket profits say? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, BYU's quad three win against UCLA and Maui, by the way, became a quad two after the Bruins went up two spots, 101 to 99. So someone asked me last night after the Pope Show, can you explain the quad? So just a brief explanation. The NCAA rewards you for where you play. Okay, so uh, who you play and where you play. Yeah, who is sorted by the net ranking. Okay, there's a formula that goes into that that Google actually helped with. Cool, right? If Bing had made it, we wouldn't care anyway. Quad one: if you play a true road game, one through seventy-five, a neutral, one through fifty, and home, one through thirty. So teams fluctuate in the net ranking. So you can go from a quad one to quad two. For example, St. Mary's like thirty-fourth. That's a quad. Uh, two, two uh, at home, but on the road, that's a quad one. Does that make Does that make sense? So if you're 135, like that's it's 76 through 135 for a true away game, and then it, it just varies. Basically, you want to go on the road and play games. Yes, and, and BYU has gone on the road and done that. You don't have to win them all. You don't even have to win half. You just have to have enough wins. And right now, BYU's resume looks good enough. Two and four in quad one. Four and three in quad two. It was three and three in quad two yesterday, by the way. UCLA, as mentioned. And 14 and 0 in quad three. And, and depending four. on what happens with Pepperdine, if BYU wins at Firestone Fieldhouse in Malibu to close out the regular season, that could potentially, I mean, they're right on the cusp of being a quad two road victory. Then you knock them down if you beat them. So that, that, that's the give and take you of wonder, that. Is right? yeah. You win, but they're not going to climb if you beat them, right? Like when, when BYU beat St. Mary's. In Vegas. In Vegas, in semifinal Monday, uh, St. Mary's going to drop a little bit because they lost. But they're firmly into the them, 30s. You just need them top 50 because that's a neutral game. Like St. Mary's wouldn't drop 16 spots if BYU beat them in the semifinals. Well, it depends how bad. No, I'm just <laughs> No, that, that is going to be a quad one game on Selection Sunday, it would appear. Well, and Kerry Miller said he doesn't have BYU higher on his seed line. He joined us, Bleacher Report, College Basketball Insider, because the Cougars – don't have a more meaty, I think, in his opinion, quad one resume. Well, yeah, BYU only has one, two wins. Houston and Utah State. At Houston and neutral Utah State. And Utah State's 41 and Houston is 27. Houston's a great win. But BYU doesn't have another one. That's why the Gonzaga game is massive. If BYU can win that, bang, you have validated how good you can be. You just beat a top five team. Or beating St. Mary's on a neutral court in Vegas, I think, would help validate that as well. Surely, yes, uh, but it but it would still be it would be your second best win, but it would be in the 30s or maybe low 40s. If you beat a top five team, now everyone takes you seriously. Everybody, maybe even KPI at that point. And BYU is legitimately on the five, maybe four seed line discussion. Huge game. BYU, that is wild. If BYU doesn't beat Gonzaga, they'll be all right. Damn, that's wild. Think about the think about the beginning of the season when we were like. Yeah, it'd be great if BYU is just in the conversation of the NCAA tournament. They're on the bubble. I'm so happy that's not a thing. Um, it's way better. Coming up, our football position previews continue. We'll talk defensive line coming up. And why did Sean Payton give Taysom Hill a personal call this week to discuss a bunch of stuff? This is BYU Sports Nation. Because he's on the team? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Number 23, BYU. Number two, Gonzaga Saturday. But first, Santa Clara on Thursday. I don't know if you knew this. Santa Clara is going to be here. This is a game BYU needs to win so that Saturday matters. And our Friday show as well. Coverage <laughs> begins on BYU Radio at 8 Eastern. I was thinking about that last night like, oh, in my wait, car. What, uh, what how, if, how would that show feel if BYU lost to Santa Clara? Like, you know what? We're in the studio No now. juice. Uh, it's canceled. Party's canceled. <laughs> no one's there. Well, at least we're on the court. Oh, there's real urgency. Yeah, yeah. No. And Mark Pope addressed years, as much. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's real urgency yes. against uh, Mark Pope, the statistician. He pointed out that Santa Clara is the 15th longest team in the country. Who's tracking that? How does he know that? I want to know that. Mark, how do you know that? Well, he did say he's the new Greg Rebell. Text Mark Pope. <laughs> How does he know that? He is the new. I'm the new Greg Rebell. Because Greg doesn't know Mark's, everything. He's stat guy this week. Yeah, he is. Great stuff. Uh, before the show, he was very excited to try and stump Greg. It's Rebell. a thing now. He was very excited. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> Great to have you with us on a Wednesday show. Yes, BYU basketball taking on Santa Clara tomorrow alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Some football news in February now featuring one Taysom Hill and some significant ramifications for his football future based on what happened with future Hall of Famer Drew Brees yesterday. Drew Brees announced on Instagram that he's ready for the grind and the climb and he's ready to do it again. Who that nation? He wants to come back and play at least one more year with the New Orleans Saints. So automatically our thoughts, Jerem, went to, well, what does that mean now for Taysom Hill, who is a restricted free agent, which means, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible, that any team that makes Taysom Hill an offer in the NFL, the Saints have the opportunity to come and match that or surpass that and hold on to Hill for at least one more year. Yeah. But Taysom Hill said during Super Bowl week, if the Saints aren't all on, on me as a quarterback, I'm open to potentially shopping around and getting my quarterback opportunity because that is the end goal. Now, all of that said, once Hill uh, addressed the official news from Drew Brees, he said, I'd love to play one more year with Drew Brees. Well, yeah, because when Drew Brees retires, guess who's going to get the first shot? It's going to be Taysom Hill. Heir apparent. And we listened to a podcast with Peter King featuring Taysom Hill this morning, and there were some interesting things revealed there. Yes, uh, the fact that Sean Payton has uh, told people, including Peter King, I think I have Steve Young in the building. Whoa. Right? And and then Steve emerged and was like, oh, he was actually – no. Taysom Hill is a bigger, stronger, faster athlete than Steve. Taysom's not the passer that Steve was, right? But uh, And Taysom has limited quarterback – his portfolio as a quarterback is very small. Like – for him to get a starter job would be somewhat of a stretch to me at this point. He needs this season to have more quarterback reps to go, oh, yeah. You really need to see what he can do. The idea of him as a quarterback is way more intriguing than what he's actually done at quarterback. But I think we, Cougar Nation, know that Taysom Hill could certainly play quarterback. There have been rumors, right, like should the Patriots uh, offer uh, an RFA uh, opportunity to Taysom Hill? Because they don't know if Tom Brady's coming back. Tom Brady's probably going to go back. He's going right? to play. He's going to play somewhere. But um, I, I read an article on, uh, on Nesson.com about they were like, well, he hasn't played quarterback very much. That idea, right? So um, I'm interested to see who's interested in Taysom Hill. And if he, if he gets a restricted free agent opportunity, there's variances there, first-round tender, second-round tender, and so on, where basically you'd, you'd say, oh, we're going to give up a first-round pick and we'll 
take him and will pay him as a first-round pick. So it's either 110% of what you made last year or $4.something million. And that would be a major upgrade for Taysom. He's made beans for his production with the Saints, so he's going to get paid, which would be great. Yeah, I would guess that the Saints wouldn't be hesitant to do the first-round tender situation, which you just talked about, which means— And make him the backup. If They're not going to sign Teddy Bridgewater again. No, Teddy Teddy's, Bridgewater's going to go gone. somewhere and make $30 million. And Starter I think, at Tampa Bay, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what Peter the most likely landing spot is Tampa Bay because they're in a mess with Jameis Winston. Like, you don't like 30 interceptions? Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and with the Saints. The Saints now need a backup quarterback. So why not put that first-round draft pick tender on Taysom Hill and say, if you want him— you have to compensate us with a first-round draft pick this year. And I don't know that a team in the NFL is willing to do that right now to get Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback when he's attempted 13 passes. Right. It's just not enough. The Saints yeah. know what Taysom Hill is because they can watch him practice every day. They have the best idea if he really is a quarterback, and that's why Sean Payton, what he says, carries more weight because he's with Taysom Hill every day in practice. The best opportunity for Taysom Hill – is to wait a year and then see if he can't be the guy. Because guess what? He's got Sean Payton. He's got Alvin Kamara. He's got Michael Thomas. And like, Drew Brees mentoring for a full like season again. It would have been three, right, total or whatever? Four. This would four. be the fourth. Four. That's awesome. That's a great experience. I know he likes New Orleans. He's had an impact there. We've talked about it. David Nixon, his brother-in-law, has, has been down there a bunch and says, he's one of the top four-selling jerseys, which is insane. He, and, and Taysom Hill could – perhaps become not just this gimmick guy, um, and people respect him and like him, right? But I'd love to see him at quarterback a little more. And in the playoff game, guess what? Kind of kept the Saints in the game. When Drew Brees left, it was kind of more exciting for the uh, Saints offense. So we'll see what the swan song season is like for Drew Brees and how much Taysom Hill gets. I just don't see. If he's see, still with the Saints this year. I don't see there's. I mean, it would take a wild scenario for someone to take a significant chance on Taysom Hill with limited numbers, not having the backdrop the Saints do. There's some desperate teams out there, maybe. True. We'll see. And maybe they're trying to sell tickets and create buzz. I, I don't know. But Taysom Hill is the most intriguing restricted free agent in the game right now. It's. Uh, I would argue, no. There's other more interesting ones. Really? I, I can't name names, but he's like. A guy who's thrown, thrown like 13 passes. Not I mean, saying, he, not saying he's the most he's talented. Guy not saying right he's now. the most talented or the best. I just think he's oh, the intriguing? most intriguing. Sure, there you go. Yeah. At Sporty McSports, if Drew is the breeze, Taysom is the hurricane. Okay. That's awesome. That's well played. That should and, be the elite tweet, even though it wasn't tweeted into well, this. And let's not forget, there's a real possibility. Drew Brees is 41. That Taysom Hill could play some games this year, if he's the backup, Drew Brees is Drew 41. Did have an injury exactly. to his thumb last year, by the way. Is he going to go the whole season? I mean, there's a real opportunity that Hill could start games this year for New Orleans. Coming up, what's the men's basketball coaching staff? What do they have that no other staff in the nation can? And what in the world is the BYU defensive line anchored by Kyrus Tonga going to look like? We continue our look back and preview of the position groups. This is BYU Sports Nation. What are we looking at right now? This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Wednesday. You can subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. We would appreciate it if you did so. You have a phone. There are free apps, BYU mm-hmm. TV and BYU Radio. You may download them for free. Let's talk more BYU football. They had a scheduling change with Houston, that game time uh, moving to a Friday 
but now we turn our attention to what the BYU football defensive line is going to look like when the Cougars take on the other Cougars. And for that matter, in 197 days, BYU opens the season against the Utah Utes. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, here is a look back and a look forward at the BYU football defensive line. Jerem? I'm just looking forward. No time to look back. Kairos you know Tonga That's... headlines everything, does yeah, he not? we're going to turn it into salt, yeah. Uh, Kairos Tonga is the guy. He's the best defensive lineman BYU's bring back, clearly, right? Lorenzo Falte had some injuries. That was a, a big deal for BYU. He can be a quality player. Devin Kafusi kind of played a little linebacker D-line, so we'll see here where he fits. Uriah Leatow is back, had a good game against Toledo. Atunaisa Mahe is kind of the second version of Kairos Tonga. They would switch those guys out. Earl Tui, uh, Tuiotu Mariner was a guy that was getting some good reps. Zach Daw will throw sh- opposing quarterback shoes, which is always important. <laughs> Certain ad- additions that may have an impact, we'll see there. Young Tanner Baker from Moore Park, California. He is my favorite BYU football player ever from Moore Park. There is nobody else Hi, that is better than Tanner Baker from Moore Park. And uh, Tyler Batty, 6'5", 235 from Payson. Kalani Stocky mentioned him on signing day as a guy he's excited to have back. So this is a group that, to me, has underperformed. I need more sacks. I don't want the excuse of, well, they just stuffed the run. I need to see more out of this group. BYU needs to play a 4-3 at the defensive line is to be Well, they just put a linebacker impactful. in the line. I know. That, that, that's what they do. But you got four down linemen, then maybe there are more opportunities for a guy like Kairos Tonga or Lorenzo Fawatea, or Uriah Leatawa to come up with some bigger plays. Four down linemen. I don't know if BYU is going to do that because their best athletes have technically been at linebacker, and so why would that change? But So really they are just block eaters and run stoppers, and and that's that's what it's probably going to be again. It's probably what it's going to be again. Boring. All right, our question of the day. Which will have more of an impact on BYU basketball's NCAA resume? A loss to Santa Clara or a win against Gonzaga? Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Borscht Tire says, how about a win over Gonzaga in Vegas? Oh, very, very sneaky. Tournament championship. That's a winner. rise and shout-outs. Mark Pope mentioned this last night. Nick Robinson, Chris Burgess, and Mark Pope. They all have uh, daughters with state titles in high school. Girl dads. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, my rise and shout-out goes to Jack DeMooney, who tweeted out uh, that he was in the airport in Kansas City, and a worker said, oh, you're having trouble with your ticket? Maybe it's because you're wearing that Y on your shirt. And he has said, oh, you mean the Y that just carried your Chiefs to the Super Bowl? Oh, snap! Nice, Jack. Boy, Jack. Hashtag, I am Jack DeMooney. Our thanks to today's guest. From Bleacher Report, Carrie Miller. Uh, great, great stuff. Download the podcast if you missed it. Sorry, Dennis. Yeah, we're always out of time. Bye. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Alema Fatissimanu. Go Cougs.